The Insulone Podcast is brought to you by Cybionics, an emerging CGM brand that focuses on simplifying how individuals aged 18 and above monitor and control their blood sugar levels. Upon becoming available on the market, the Cybionics GS1 CGM has helped users worldwide navigate the complexities of diabetes management with more confidence and peace of mind. Thanks to Cybionics, now more people are able to view and share their real-time glucose data, receive customizable glucose alarms, and generate full AGP reports, all directly from an intuitive Cybionics app, empowering them with the necessary information to make better decisions about their health. Cybionics combines data accuracy and comfort of wear, which is important to us all, with a feature-rich app. The 14-day scanning-free and calibration-free Cybionics GS1 CGM aims to deliver reliable, seamless diabetes management experiences. For more, check out CybionicsCGM.com. This is the Insulone Podcast, where I, own Costello, try to redefine diabetes. In this week's episode, so I knew that when there was a, a change with the overall height of them and the fact that they were kind of stubbornly hovering a lot higher than I would like, I knew, right, this is definitely COVID. It has to be. There's no other reason why it would be. But before we get into that, everything you hear on the Insulone podcast is from my own personal experience. And if you have any worries or issues regarding your diabetes, please contact a medical professional. Now, let's get stuck into this episode. Welcome back, and thank you for joining us for another episode of the Insulone Podcast. I hope you're well. I hope everybody's blood sugars are staying the way you want them. We have a bit of an unexpected and unpredictable episode for you today. What do you think, Ryan? Yeah. When uh, I don't, I like I don't like to say this own, but when you told me the news, obviously you'll see in the title that Owen had COVID or has COVID. You're had 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 had. had. <laughs> when you did tell me, of course, my initial reaction was, "Are you okay?" But in the back of my head, I was like, oh, "This will make a great episode on the Insulone Podcast." Hundred <laughs> percent. I suppose when I got over, like, just the initial shock of oh my God, I actually have COVID after nearly two years of being mm. so, so careful. And you know how careful I've yep. always been, Graham. Yeah. And everybody listening to the podcast knows how careful I've always been. But when I got over that initial shock, I was then almost straight away like, this will definitely be a good episode for the podcast. So here we are. Yeah, no, because to be honest, you out of... Everyone I know, you have probably been the most careful in terms of your social contacts and mask wearing and hand hygiene and just being around you in the gym as well, cleaning up after yourself, cleaning the weights and everything like that. But it just shows how transmissible it is that no matter how careful you are, and even if you do everything right, you can still contract COVID-19. So let's go right back to maybe two weeks ago now is at this stage. How did it start? Where did it come from? Who did you get it from? I want to know the the beginning of it all. Yeah, so it's I'm obviously past now, well over the 14 days, past my 10-day quarantine that is obviously recommended for you. So your 10-day isolation 
is by yourself, can't be near anybody. So well past that now. So I'm, I'm safe, thankfully. But he's going to hate that I say it, but I'm pretty sure I got it off my dad. Oh, Tom. <laughs> because Big of Tom on the podcast as well. Great episode. So he had started feeling a bit under the weather. And obviously I had been in contact because he's my dad. And he went into his own self-isolation. So I obviously was not anywhere near him. But I think that before we realized that he had got it, I must have picked it up off him already. Because I think he officially was told he had it on a Thursday. And then I officially got it on a Wednesday. So I didn't start showing symptoms for nearly a week after. Okay. Well, that's the danger of it. You're asymptomatic, but you're carrying it. And then you're unaware, you don't feel sick and you're going about life as normal. And that's how it's spreading so quickly. And obviously within your family, Tom didn't know he had it. Then he got diagnosed. They would already probably pass it on to you, but you didn't know you had it. You could have passed it on as well. It's, It's just a vicious circle. So tell us about you. You started feeling under the weather when? I started noticing symptoms on the Wednesday. Okay, perfect. And then I got the official word because I have obviously had to get a few tests and all that kind of thing. So I got the official word on Friday. Okay. And tell us about the test because I know it's different in loads of countries around the world and we have a multitude of people listening from different countries everywhere. How did you go about it? Was it very simple? Because I remember when I had to get mine, I had I got it around last Easter and it was a very busy time period for getting tests. I had to wait nearly 48 hours after I rang before I was in front of a person in full PPE shoving a, a swab up my nose. So <laughs> when you called, when did you get your actual test then? So basically, I ended up getting about three official PCR tests. And I did three at-home antigen tests within that week. Okay. So I basically, when dad got the word, I was like, oh God, I better do a test. So I did an at-home antigen, Mm -hmm. came back negative. Yeah. That same day I went to get an official PCR, came back negative. Okay. A couple of days later, I was like, maybe I'll just do another one to see. Did another at-home antigen, came back negative. I was like, okay, perfect. I've, I've got away with it. That same day, went and did another official PCR. Yeah. That came back negative. On that Thursday, I'd woken up with sniffles. My Like my nose are running, you know, and your eyes are kind of watering. It's if you're just crying all the time. Yeah. And that night I had sweats throughout the night. Not Not anything too concerning, but did you know? Part of me was like, oh, this ha- it has to be, right? Yeah. But basically what happened was I woke up that day, so it would have been the Friday, I think. <clears throat> Did another at-home antigen. So this was now my third at-home antigen. Yeah. That came back positive. Ah. And I was like, no, no, I can't believe it. <sighs> so basically booked an official PCR for that day. Yeah. I was obviously isolating and all throughout this whole time because I wasn't fully sure yet. So obviously didn't want to be in touch with people, but booked the official again that Friday, went in, got it. Oh, I 
pretty much knew it was going to come back positive. Like chances were. So you're just rocking up to these test centres and you can walk in. There's no booking anymore. You can just go in when you no, want. No, there is booking. Yes, that was, that's what I was just going to say. So basically you can book it online through, I think, the HSE website. Oh, so God. convenient. Oh, really, God. really handy to do. Put in your details. You can book a test wherever the closest centre is to you. And then it was a drive through test. So I didn't even leave the car, which was oh, so handy. Oh, you just stuck the head out the window? Basically, yeah. So they go up. They're so, so nice there. And check your details, check your ID. You go in, roll down the window, turn off the engine. And then they say, right, head back, tongue out. Ah. Swab down your throat and then head back and then the vicious swab up your nose. Like the, the swab of the nose is vicious, but you know what's oh. more vicious? When you have to do it to yourself with the home antigen test. Because <laughs> yeah. you're, yeah. you're like, okay, I'm doing this because I'm trying to be responsible. And it's like, I don't know how, like I'm doing it myself. I could just put it up a little bit, but then exactly. you're like, no, I better put I'm it negative. all the way back. I'm negative. <laughs> yeah. Just a little tickle of the nostrils. You're like, <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I came back negative. Look at my test there. But when you're doing it to yourself and it goes all the way back, you're like, I can't believe I'm inflicting this pain upon myself. It's different when you actually have someone do it for you. Yeah. But it's funny you said that you had to stick your head out the window. When I went to get mine in Easter, I thought I had to stick my head out the window. I presumed I was going to one of those. But when I drove in, I realized I had to get out of the car. But I had been self-isolating for two or three days and I had these horrible tracksuit bottoms on. I hadn't showered properly. My hair was in a man bun at the time and I looked horrendous. And I'm not joking. I had these tracksuit bottoms on where there was holes in the crotches, but they're my most fa- my f- most favorite tracksuit bottoms. And I'm there just walking up with my legs beside each other because I don't want people to see these massive holes in my crotch because I wasn't expecting to have to get out of the <laughs> out of the car at all. I just thought I'd be sticking my head out. So I'm very jealous that you had to stick your head out. And how quick... You're really I, painting a good picture here, Graham. Thank you very much. This is <laughs> yeah. my job as a radio presenter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So how long after you got the swab up the nose for the third time did the result come back positive? I got a text the next morning so okay. less than 24 hours so it was the thursday i'm getting my days all mixed up i apologize uh, sorry. but the it's the covid it's COVID. Ah! um got it on the thursday the test that is and then got the official positive test text on the friday so when you got official word we're going back a long, long time to when we did our episode at the very beginning when we released the podcast of COVID and diabetes. Mm. Obviously, the thing about contracting COVID-19 when you're a diabetic is it just results in more complications uh, because of being diabetic. Were you worried when you got the text or were you confident in the fact that you've been vaccinated and you're pretty sure that you won't be getting serious health complications? To be honest, I, I, was, I was confident that I was going to get through it grand. You know, like I'm relatively young, I'm healthy. And as you say, I've been doubly vaccinated too. So I wasn't overly concerned. What I was more concerned about was, was the whole idea of, was, was this in my system earlier and could I have potentially passed it on to somebody else? Yeah. Now, I obviously didn't, thankfully, because I was kind of isolating for a while up to that anyway but I wasn't really concerned about my health in a serious way because I'm obviously diabetic strangely enough I knew that right 
I've got the positive test. It was kind of like, just strap yourself in and take what comes here. Because I knew that it was going to affect my bloods, like, in some way. I knew it would. I knew that even though I was vaccinated, I was probably still going to have a pretty tricky time trying to manage the bloods. And I suppose after the, after the positive text, I was just thinking, right, strap yourself in here. Let's just see how bad it gets, <laughs> you know? And it, after that, it was just kind of take each day as it comes and react accordingly, depending on what your bloods decide to do. No one knew, though. I'm sure you, a little bit of you was like, okay, here we go. It's a challenge now. Let's see. It's me versus COVID-19. <laughs> Let's see where this goes. Who's going to win? <laughs> 100%. Yeah, I had, I had a few strange thoughts in my head of doing like going out for long runs and stuff despite having it. And that would have just been a stupid idea. I don't know why I thought of doing that, but it was like, I suppose, yeah, a bit of a challenge. And I knew, thank, look, looking back now, thankfully I'm grand and my my family are okay. But I suppose the bloods were inevitably going to react in some way. Yeah, so let's get into the bloods. Let's go from day one after your positive test. How were the bloods reacting? And let's go from there. So I'd say up to the first two full days. So I'd say the first 48 hours after getting the positive text, I didn't really notice anything. I knew that I was kind of under the weather. I was getting like cold shivers and stuff at night to a certain extent. Not too bad. Sniffles, runny face, eyes watering and all this kind of thing. But in terms of diabetes management and overall blood sugar i didn't really notice anything up to probably the third day and then on day three my bloods were just really stubborn really stubbornly high okay so i generally look i i'm in a, as, as we know i'm in a good routine i pretty much do the same stuff all the time in terms of work food gym so i know what to expect with my bloods so i knew that when there was a a change with the overall height of them and the fact that they were kind of stubbornly hovering a lot higher than I would like. I knew, right, this is definitely COVID. It has to be. There's no other reason why it would be. So when I started noticing them being higher than normal, the first thing I did was, now how I react to it is going to be different to how somebody else does or what somebody else might might recommend. But this is obviously just what I did for my own management, for my own experience with the virus. But when I noticed that, as I said, my bloods were kind of hovering higher, my next basal long-lasting insulin injection I took, I increased it. And I increased it by 20% initially because I knew that the highs that I was seeing weren't kind of like the volatile up and down and up and down and up and down around meal times. It was more so that flatlined higher level of blood sugar. So I knew that my basal would hopefully bring that down to a certain extent, given that bit of an increase, roughly 20, 25%. Can you remember what you were at in and around when you say high, how high were you? I was hovering consistently about 10, 11 millimoles per liter so that's roughly what 180 for american listeners so not like not crazy high but higher than i'm used to 
over that extended period of time over kind of like a 24 48 hour period so i knew that my basal increase would help to hopefully bring that down slightly and then i'd say over the next 24 48 hours so maybe going into day five ish that's when i really noticed them being extra stubborn okay so the increase in basal didn't really do anything because they didn't bring my bloods down. It was almost as if they just consistently started to climb and climb and climb and climb. But what I noticed now was they weren't just consistently higher. They were also spiking a lot easier with food. Now, obviously looking back, the fact that I was consistently higher, it's going to make my bloods more inclined to spike more rapidly around mealtimes because they're already high. Because when your bloods are are high they're kind of stubborn they want to stay they want to stay up there so if i'm then adding more food on top of already high blood sugars they're going to continue to climb and again be more stubborn and more difficult to get back down so i then did another increase of basal but i also started noticing that the fast acting insulin that i was injecting so i'm obviously on mdi multiple daily injections, which are insulin pens rather than a pump. So I'd increase my long lasting. I take that split dose, 9 a.m., 9 p.m. But I'd also noticed that the fast acting mealtime insulin that I was taking, it was as if I was injecting water. No way. (laughs) It just wasn't doing anything. And what I tried to do was I tried to stay consistent in relation to the food that I was eating. So I could see for definite that, right, it's not the food that's causing all these spikes. I know what to expect from what I typically eat. It has to be the virus. So I was generally eating the same types of foods, accurately carb counting, pre-bolus and all the stuff that I do. But even with that, I was just constantly high. And I was going up to 14, 15, 16. And I'd take a big correction, even just like we were talking about in the last episode with patients, taking a correction, not looking at my CGM, hopefully letting the insulin do its thing, check my finger with the finger prick. Hopefully it has come down. It never came down. <laughs> it was just it was just constantly high. So uh, reasoning for that is because the body is working so hard to fight the illness and the virus that your blood sugars are that high. Is that why they're so stubbornly high or do you know the reason behind it? Yeah, so when when you're fighting off an illness, your body is going to try and fight that off by dumping glucose into your body. And your body is under a lot of stress trying to fight a virus or an illness off. So that in, that in itself is going to cause your blood sugar to spike. Now, if you had covid did you have COVID? I can't even remember. No, didn't have no. it. If, if you have it or somebody else who doesn't have diabetes has COVID, it's the same bodily reactions happening. But because I'm not naturally secreting insulin myself internally, mm-hmm. my blood sugar is just going to climb and climb and climb and climb and climb. And it did. So what I did was I ended up having to increase my basal insulin, which is the long acting. I also increased my insulin to carb ratio by about... 40 to 50 percent let's say i was eating something that required five units i would have required 10 units because of my bloods 
So that's how much they were spiking. Right. That's how stubborn they were. And even after a big correction, I check like an hour and a half, two hours, two and a half hours later with my finger prick, they'd be back up at 16, 17. I've got, I was looking for the message on the 18th. So eight days ago, you messaged me. Never taken so much insulin in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I messed, oh, I did, I did. How, so how does your blood sugars in relation to having COVID compare to other illnesses? Like I'm sure you've had the flu and colds and other things in the past. Mm. Has it ever been this stubborn with your bloods that high? No, wow. not from my experience anyway. No way. It was, like I said, it, it was actually like I was injecting water. It just w- wouldn't bring my bloods down. Now, what kind of complicated it too was the fact that I wasn't exercising. My insulin sensitivity is so high because the type of food I eat, the sleep that I get, the exercise that I consistently do, but I wasn't sleeping as well, wasn't exercising. I was trying to do kind of like at home body weight stuff, but wasn't exactly ideal either. So even simply taking out my exercise routine is going to have a significant effect on the insulin requirements too. So it was a combination of the lack of exercise and having COVID. So part of me, even kind of thinking about it now, part of me is trying to understand was it purely just COVID that led to these bloods or was it the combination of COVID and the drastic change in lifestyle being no exercise? Yeah. Yeah, So the two of them are going to be a nice combination to increase your insulin requirements, you know? Around what day did you start seeing your bloods return to some sort of normality or at least the stubbornness stopped being so high? I'd say day eight of the 10 of quarantine. So that's about, so day three to eight, it's five solid days. Maybe even nine. It was still kind of like the remnants of my high blood sugars kind of day eight going into nine. So they weren't back to the way that I like them. So they were were still slightly affected. (laughs) I'm only thinking about it now. There was one night where, and here's, here's me, like I'm always going on about don't react emotionally to your bloods. Stand back and analyze them objectively and all these kind of things. L- literally last week, impatience. Yeah, exactly. Last week's episode of the podcast was patience. And I remember saying to myself, right, here we go again. Here's, here's another test of are you actually patient with your bloods? Do you actually not react emotionally to them? And look, what better test is there than a week like this where I can't even exercise? So I'd say 99% of the time I was on the ball. <laughs> but then <laughs> there was one night where my bloods just would not come down and they were stuck at like 18, 19. They didn't quite hit the 20s. But no matter how many corrections I took, they seemed to just stay there. And I remember it got late. And I was like, oh, here, I'm sick of this. Like, so I just took a massive big correction because I was thinking, look, it hasn't come down for the past three days. So what's this correction going to do? <laughs> Basically what happened was I took a big correction. I think I was going to bed a couple hours later, checked them. They were still hovering around kind of 16, 17. I was like, oh, I'm going to be sleeping through another night with high blood sugars. But lo and behold, I wake up at about 
2 a.m. with my blood sugar at 2.1. <gasps> oh, no. Yeah, which is like a massive oh, drop. No. And that's super, super low. So <laughs> basically what happened then was I woke up, I woke up to these cold sweats thinking, oh, it's the sweats from the virus. But then my alarm is blaring and barking at the side of my bed. And then I feel, oh, God, my blood sugar is so low. So quickly check my blood. 2.1. Waddled, stumbled down to the kitchen and then raided the press, oh. raided the drawers. Chocolate the biscuits. The bear is out. The bear, exactly. <laughs> it's a dangerous time. Raided the kitchen. Like loads of glasses of milk, chocolate biscuits, bread, all these types of stuff that your body's just craving for when you're so low. And then I said to myself, right, I'm going to stay awake so that my bloods will go back up. Then when they start to go back up, I can take insulin for basically what I've just eaten. But I fell asleep before that could happen. (laughs) (laughs) So I fell asleep before that could happen and then woke up the next morning at about 23. Oh. Yeah. And that's the highest I've been in a long time. Oh. So it was like... Five solid days of being stuck at 13, 14, 15, 16. Taking a massive correction, crashing down to 2.1 and then having a rebound high of about 23. And then obviously starting my day at 23 is a nightmare because you're chasing your tail. You're instantly on the back foot. So that was a a tricky day too. But what was kind of nice about it well, maybe nice is the wrong word, but lack of a better term. Where, where are you going with this? <laughs> For lack of a better term. What was interesting about it was it was kind of like, all right, you have to practice what you preach here. you know. And I can't come on to this podcast and preach, like, don't react to your bloods emotionally. They're reacting to what you do or what you don't do or bodily functions, all these things that I say, which are true, but... I also need to practice that then too. So when my bloods were up at 23 and crashing at 2.1, I still had to be able to say to myself, look, it happens. You're not a perfect diabetic. Nobody's a perfect diabetic. You're sick. You've eaten this. You've eaten that. It's just a test again to analyze them rather than react to them. In terms of actual sickness, you don't seem that you got too sick. You obviously were a little bit fluey and you had the shivers. But did you get any other side effects that are commonly associated with COVID? So glad you mentioned it because, strangely enough, I had completely forgot about it. But I completely lost all sense of taste and all sense of smell. Oh, it happened to you. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. And you know how I realised? I woke up one of the mornings and I was thinking... Geez, I'm I'm maybe like day five or six now. I feel I actually don't feel too bad. I'm, I I think I'm kind of getting away with this, apart from the bloods acting up. But then I took out the milk from the fridge, and it was on the last day of the date that was printed on the milk. So I was like, "Oh, here, let me just give it a smell to see if it's okay still to, still to drink." Nothing, no smell at all. And I was like, "Oh, okay, that's." probably it's probably still fresh i can use it for breakfast or whatever and then it's quickly dawned on me 
can I not smell anything? So I went straight, strangely enough, went straight to the whiskey drawer and took out a bottle of whiskey, opened up the lid, shoved my nose in it, took a big, big, big sniff in. Absolutely nothing. Oh, that would scare me. Nothing. And then I was like, wait a second. Let, what, let, let me test something else. Let me test something else. So opened up the jar of coffee, whole face in the jar, nothing. It was bizarre. Ooh, it was. Oh, I wouldn't like that. A very, very, very unusual. Just like a strangely eerie and uncomfortable sensation, not having any sense of smell or taste. But what's funny is I then, what did I taste to, do you know what? I actually tasted the whiskey to see. Now, this is in the morning. I'm, I don't drink whiskey in the morning, but I, I knew that whiskey has a strong taste. Mm. So I took a tiny taste to see if I could still taste it. Nothing. I didn't even have that, you know, the kind of slight burny sensation you yeah. get with, with liquors. Nothing. So went to, the, went to have some orange juice. Nothing. I could feel the temperature and texture, but zero taste. It was so unusual. I'd start freaking out that I was never going to come back and mm. this is just it from now on because yeah because they say you lose your sense of smell and taste but isn't your taste basically your smell it's because if you block your nose a lot of it apparently yeah you can't taste so it must be mostly your smell and yeah. is that still gone it's back slightly I can taste things but not as much as I would have but when I noticed oh my smell and my taste are gone I was kind of freaking and I was, and I looked it up. I was like, I knew obviously that this was a sign and a symptom of it and a side effect or whatever it is. But I went online to just see, okay, who else has experienced this? Like, how long can I expect my taste and smell to be gone? And some of them said permanently gone. No. And then, yeah, and I was freaking. And then some of the other ones said like up to six months. And then others were like, ah, it comes back in a week or two weeks or whatever. So it can vary, I would imagine, from person to person. But the fact that I've slightly got it back already is a good sign. And it's funny, when when my taste went and I was having my breakfast but couldn't taste anything, I still had a normal breakfast. As I said, I could only taste or I could only feel the temperature and the texture of it, none of the taste. And I said to myself... Well, if it does go permanently, that would almost benefit my diabetes management because I'd have <laughs> because I'd have little to no craving for any type of food that may have a negative impact on my bloods. I'll just be eating vegetables and protein for the rest of my life. There it is, ladies and gentlemen. Owen Coslow, finding the positives in one of the most <laughs> negative things that can happen to you. You lose all sense of taste and smells. And one of the most beautiful things you can do is taste gorgeous food. But Owen's like, oh, well, makes my diabetes better. <laughs> yeah. But I, I was chatting to my brothers then as well. And one of my brother's friends lost or had COVID a number of months ago. And he lost his sense of smell and sense of taste. And he said he tested it by drinking a bottle of vinegar. Oh! <laughs> now, I'm sure he didn't drink the whole thing, but that's a good test in itself. I remember watching a video of somebody 
at the very beginning when people were losing their sense of smell and someone was putting chilies into their porridge in the morning time and just not a bother eating it up oh, chilies in porridge it was rotten how are you feeling now grand fine like as back good the as gym. ever back in the gym how much Feels did you good. miss the gym oh so much a worrying amount i just love i just really love going to the gym yeah. <laughs> and i knew that going kind of being back in my routine would just kind of press reset on the week that i just had so instead of dwelling on it and thinking oh god my bloods have done this and my bloods have done that essentially it was just reset button back to normal which is nice and it's funny because i was in there and one of the personal train one of the personal trainers came up to me who works in the gym that i go to and he goes where have you been i haven't seen you in a, in about two weeks and i was like Look, I'll be honest with you, I actually ended up getting COVID. I'm grand now, like can't give it to you any of that kind of, I'm not infectious. And he goes, you of all people getting <laughs> COVID. And I was like, I know, I know, I know. He goes, yeah. you absolutely drenched the weights, drenched the benches, drenched the machines in disinfectant. Yeah. And you still get it. So it just goes to show you, no matter how careful you are, you, there's still a bit of a chance there. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's great to know that you didn't get seriously ill and that you're back stronger than ever. Uh, but ver- so interesting about your stubborn uh, highs there. Really interesting mm-hmm. insight into what it's like for a diabetic to contract COVID-19. As always, you can email us, theinsulonepodcast.gmail.com. We'd love to hear some stories about you having covid what happened to you? Were your bloods really high? Did you have a different experience to Owen? We want to hear any stories at all, but why not do some COVID ones off the back of this episode? So the Podcast at gmail.com. And it reminds me of two of the guests that we had, Mary Lennon and Maya, who basically got COVID the same time they were diagnosed with diabetes. So I can only imagine how difficult that was. I'm coming up on 10 years with diabetes kind of knew what to do in this situation but i can imagine how difficult it is for somebody brand new to diabetes and covid so as always thank you for listening thank you for your ears we hope you get a lot from the podcast as always and like we always say to you if you have a story if you have an experience if you have a question you would like to share with myself and graham we love getting these emails, so please don't hesitate to reach out. The Insulone Podcast at gmail.com and Happy Diabetes Awareness Month in advance because the next episode that we do oh, yes. will be Diabetes Awareness Month, Graham. Absolutely. Big plans for Diabetes Awareness Month. If you're listening to this during the month or just beforehand, uh, you'll hear all about it once Diabetes Awareness Month kicks off on the 1st of November. Don't you worry. Oh, Right, have a good week, have a good day. Look after those bloods and we will chat to you soon. Bye. Take it easy.